Hello, I'm Kelly McVeigh, and this is Carry On with Kelly, the podcast where we unpack the stories of my travel, cancer, recovery, and self-discovery from one small bag. This is my attempt to chronicle the journeys that I have been on and been through the past few years, and hopefully document the paths that I take as we move into the future. This is season two, episode five. This season, as I have been for the previous four episodes, I will be spending part of each episode looking back on where I was last year during this time period, mentally, physically, and most important to me, globally, since this was a time when COVID was just starting to unfold and I was able to be international. I'm also going to spend at least part of each episode looking at where I am today and what I'm doing currently in life so I can carry on. At this point, the podcast has finally caught up with my travels, or I guess rather the travels have caught up with my podcast. Episode four of season two, I was in Siem Reap, Cambodia. And last year, today, February 16th, 2020, I was in Luang Prabang. If you are not familiar with Luang Prabang, it's a small town in northern Laos, maybe a two-hour flight from Siem Reap. The entire town is considered a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And if you've listened to any of my previous podcast episodes, one of the things, or even read anything that I've written, one of the things I look for when I travel is a World Heritage Site. So the idea that the whole entire town is designated World Heritage is kind of great for me. It's home to about 55,000 people. The center of town, the center of the city, consists of four main roads located on a peninsula where the Namkom and the Mekong River meet. So the whole town is walkable, which for me is great because I love everything to be walkable in life. The idea that, you know, you can get to anything that you want, The international airport is maybe 10 minutes by tuk-tuk or car. Yeah, that's all I really have ever asked for in life and all I still ask for in life. So um, the whole entire town, like I said, very walkable. There are about 30 temples and monasteries within the city limits. So, you know, that's another reason why it makes it so great for me. Before I left New York in 2017, I can guarantee I've never heard of Luang Prabang. I may have never even heard of Laos. I was really lacking in geography when it came to Southeast Asia. My first experience, even somebody referencing Luang Prabang to me, is that I can remember. In season two, the first episode, I briefly mentioned uh, a man by the name, or we referred to him as MP. He's a journalist that I met in Bangkok during my 2016 travels. Anyway, 2017, 24 hours after I leave New York, him and I are on a boat on the river in Bangkok. And he's asking me all these questions about what I'm going to do now that I quit my job and moved overseas and, and what am I going to do in Cambodia. And I had all these ideas at the time of how I was going to start a business in Siem Reap. And I'm, I'm walking through these ideas with him and I'm super excited about all these ideas. And he kind of looks at me and, and keep in mind, this man has lived in Southeast Asia for probably the past 20, 25 years and he's traveled the world for his job. So he knows these places a little better than I do. 
And he says, you know, Kelly, I think these are all really great ideas, but I think they're much better suited for Luan Prabang. I don't think they're going to work in CM Reap. At the time, I was a little annoyed with him because I thought these were great ideas. Keep in mind, I had only spent 72 hours in CM Reap before I moved there. Um, once I saw Luan Prabang, which my first trip to Luan Prabang would have been the spring of 2018, when I flew there, I totally understand what he meant. This was kind of the town where my business ideas, if they had anywhere of succeeding, it would have been in the Wan Prabang. Possibly Chiang Mai, but definitely the Wan Prabang. No way could they have ever existed in Siem Reap. So my first trip to the Wan Prabang was in late February 2018. It coincides with my first odd pain story that led to my cancer diagnosis. If you haven't listened to any of my other podcast episodes, I would definitely recommend going back to season one and listening to episode one. It's where I really talk about my journey and my travels and my how my cancer uh, laid out in front of me. And so I mentioned this in that episode as well. When I was in the Juan Prabang, I had this horrible cough. And one day I coughed so hard that I felt my ribs pop. And I had this sharp pain shooting down my side. And I called my sister. She's a nurse. And I asked, you know, really oddly, could I have broken my ribs from coughing? And she's like, of course, that could have never happened. We found out later at the end of 2018 that I had, in fact, broken all of the ribs along my right side from coughing because the cancer had eaten through the bone and the cartilage. So um, it wasn't in great shape health-wise when I was in the Luan Prabang the first time. So moving back to my trip in 2020, returning to Luan Prabang was very, very important to me. I wanted to go and, and do it the right way. And John, my friend who owned the Cambodian hotel at the time, decided to come with me. Oddly, we had lived together in Cambodia for a year. We had been friends for over a decade in New York. And other than spending like an afternoon together and maybe a full day once in a while, we really hadn't spent like these exorbitant amount of times together. So when he decided to spend a week with me in Luang Prabang, it was kind of, you know, a big move. So I tell him what flight I'm on. He books a flight. He books a room at the same hotel that I'm staying at. And the morning that we're supposed to leave CM Reap, it becomes this like comedy of errors. And I'm like, oh, I'm being picked up at this time. He's like, why are you leaving so early? Flight doesn't leave till this time. And we go back and forth. Keep in mind that the CM Reap airport has seven, possibly eight gates. So the idea that we're taking an international flight on a random afternoon from CM Reap to Luang Prabang, we really had to be on the same flight. So we end up getting to the airport for the, my flight. We go to check in and it turns out we were on two different flights. I was on like a little prop jet. He was on a big plane. My flight left, I'm going to go with about an hour before his plane. I leave. He hangs out at the airport. I'm standing in line to get my visa in the Luang Prabang airport. And for those of you that have been there, you know how tiny this airport is. And I'm standing there in line to get my visa. And I turn to my left and a plane lands and I can watch John deboard. So he leaves an hour after me and arrives in Luang Prabang about five minutes after me. Literally is probably 10 people behind me in line. So we get there at the same time. We come out after we get our visa 
And that would be the first time that I had my temperature checked on this journey. So we come out from getting our visa before we can gather our luggage. There's a man standing there in like a head to toe hazmat suit taking our temperatures. So that was when COVID was moving, not moving quickly enough that made us stop traveling, but moving quickly enough to where we discussed it on a continual basis. There were still plenty of tourists in the Juan Prabang. Throughout that week that we spent there, I constantly had symptoms that were very common for what I was going through health-wise at the time. But all of my cancer symptoms and my chemo symptoms and my stem cell transplant rehabilitation symptoms line up to COVID symptoms. So every day we'd have these conversations like, this is how I'm feeling health-wise. Should I go get checked? And John would just kept convincing me that Luan Prabang is probably not where I want to go to the hospital. So we kind of just let that go. So we spent the week together in the Luan Prabang. We took a slow boat ride down the Mekong River to the Pak Ao cave temples. These two amazing temples to kind of hike a little bit up through the rocks. And there were hundreds and hundreds of Buddhist figurines, some dating back to like the 1700s, just all along these rock formations in these caves. So it was Buddha meditating and teaching and in the peace position and, and reclining and nirvana. So it was just this really great day. We visited the landmine museums. We woke up early to go watch the alms. We spent the entire week sitting in coffee shops and cafes, sometimes alone, sometimes together. We visited almost every temple. No matter how we spent our days, we always ended up meeting each other on the river, the Mekong River, um, front, the riverfront, to watch the sunsets every night. So there was a ton of little restaurants with tables out there. He'd have a cocktail. We sit and talk about the day and we'd go find some place to have dinner. One night he says to me, I think if you would have had visited here first, we would have ended up in the Wan Prabang. And I, I'm kind of the, I hate to think of the what ifs or the what might have beens but I really couldn't help agreeing with him. I often think that if I would have gone to Chiang Mai or Luang Prabang before Siem Reap, I would have probably made the decision to move there. But something, something pulled me to Siem Reap. I'm not sad that I made that decision. There was something that pulled me there and I was meant to be there for that year. So what did I do in addition to that, when I was in Luang Prabang, one of the things that's a common theme through a lot of my travels are handicrafts and really learning about the culture of a community. So in Chiang Mai during this trip, I spent a morning at a studio called Studio Nania, I believe. They had been around for about 30 years producing eco-friendly fabric and it was run by two American women, a mother and a daughter. I went and spent the day with them and figured out how they planned their business and, and how they grew over the years. In Siem Reap, I was spending time with Rohok Women's Handicrafts, which is a friend of mine who teaches a woman um, how to weave with water hyacinth so they can have a craft. And then she has a small store in Siem Reap and sells their product. Other times throughout my travels, I've learned to weave, like I said, with water hyacinth and bamboo and silk. I've made jewelry at different countries. I've studied arts, um, the art of batik, 
in Sri Lanka and Ubud. I've cooked gourmet meals around the world. This is just something that I truly, truly love to do. And in Luang Prabang, it was no different. When I was there the first time, I went some time, spent some time at Akpak Tok, which is a, it's called a living center, but they have a huge establishment where they make products, but they actually teach the crafts to tourists. They have a restaurant in town, a restaurant outside of town, a gorgeous store. So a really amazing enterprise that they've built. So I spent the day uh, meeting with the head of sales and marketing to kind of discuss their journey over the past 20 years, figure out how they've grown and figure out how they've prospered. These are things that provide me with joy when I travel. It might be obscure that I go on a business meeting when I travel, but that to me is really, I love learning about these things in other places. The challenge that I've always had in life is how I keep that feeling when I get home and when the traveling is over. So to fast forward to today, I think I might have figured out what to do. So for now, this is just sort of a sneak preview at a project I'm working on. I've been working with two organizations for, I don't know, the past, let's just call it few months. Um, one organization is in Cambodia, in Phnom Penh, which is the capital. The other is in a, a town in Guatemala. I cannot pronounce the town. Both organizations work with vulnerable female populations. So the one in Cambodia teaches them a craft and then sells the product. The one in Guatemala works with women who want to maintain their Mayan culture and maintain the Mayan weaving, but buys product for them and then sells it. Both companies want to try to expand their reach to the United States. Um, so we're going to figure out how to do that together. I know this probably sounds like this huge undertaking, but interestingly enough, I have some time on my hands while my body heals, while the world heals. Um, so it's kind of perfect timing. Conveniently, the next MBA session, so I have two classes in this session that'll end the end of February. The next session starts in early March and my class is starting a business venture. So the whole entire eight week session I will be concentrating on how to start a business venture with these two companies. Crazy coincidence? Probably not. Um, a lot of research and planning and seeds being planted and possibly growing, that's probably more the case. So more to follow from that. Um, just a quick health update while we're talking about what's going on in my current life. I actually got the first dose of the Pfizer vaccine on Sunday. I, the county I'm living in in Pennsylvania has been doing, in my opinion, based on other things I've been reading, a horrible job of reaching its population and managing the distribution of the vaccines. I am on, I don't know, five or six different lists. Keep in mind, because I have terminal cancer, I am in the first group of people that should be getting the vaccine. I None of my doctors will give it. My cancer centers aren't doing the vaccine. Even though I'm currently in the process of getting re-immunized after my stem cell transplant, they're not doing the vaccine for re-immunization schedules. Um, so I kept putting myself on more and more wait lists. And randomly, one that I heard I was 20,000th 20, 20, in line on this list 
messaged on Saturday and said they were doing a, a last minute clinic on Sunday and I had to be there at noon. So I got there and got the first dose. So that was super exciting. Monday, I was going to a pain clinic in Pittsburgh near the cancer center to get a steroid epidural. Um, I have a lot of damage from the cancer at my lower back. A lot of it is caused by the repair that we did in my upper back, but just, you know, everything sort of works together. So they want to do a steroid epidural to kind of calm things down and let physical therapy work. And hopefully we can heal my whole spine so I don't have to undergo another surgery. So my sister drives me down to Pittsburgh because they weren't sure if I'd be able to drive home. I get in there. We're super excited. This is a big step forward for my pain level. And they start asking the the normal questions that I go through every time I see a doctor. We update my medical list. We update my medicine list. And then she says, do you have any new medicines that you're on? Of course I don't, but I say, I just got the vaccine yesterday. She's like, well, thank you for telling me. And then we start talking. She says something a little obscure. And I said, I'm getting the epidural today, right? She's like, no, no, you can't. Apparently steroid injections cause the the rate of, why can't I think of the word, the effective rate of the vaccine to diminish greatly. So I have to wait at least two weeks till after I have the next dose before I can get the steroid injection. So that was a little disappointing. I did not like the doctor. I love my back surgeon who sent me there, but I did not like the doctor. He very clearly did not read my medical records and said, well, all this damage you have is clearly related to your age, which I'm proudly 49. I tended to disagree with him, which I told him that all of this was related to my cancer. And if he would read my records, he could see that. So instead of doing the injection, he gave me some pills that I'm told cause a lot of drowsiness. They must be pretty strong because there's a three-week three week ramp-up period for these pills. So I take one this week, two next week, three the following week. And he seems to think if I do physical therapy on these pills because I won't be in any pain, then I might not even need the injection by the end of March. So we'll see what happens. So last night, well, first off, my sister calls me yesterday. My appointment, she was picking me up at 11. My phone rings and I'm still in bed. And I thought she was calling to tell me that the roads were too bad and she couldn't make it. And she's like, I'm here. I'm like, what do you mean you're here? I'm still sleeping. I apparently slept through, I, I put three alarms on these days. I slept through three alarms, got up real quick, got ready. Last night, so I'm assuming that sleeping was because of the injection from the vaccine. So last night I take that new pill and it was time for me to take my cancer pills. So I had all these super bizarre side effects. I wasn't sure what was going on with my body. I read up on the, the medication and they were all normal side effects, but they were freaking me out a little bit. I ended up being awake till 5 a.m. And today I slept till 1230, which is so not normal for me. I am a get up in the morning kind of person. Obviously it's cold and, and snowy, so it's not a huge deal. But um, so that's what's going on with me medically which, you know, isn't a lot of cancer information, but it's just what's going on in my life. One other thing I wanted to touch base on on this episode, I got an email from a friend in New York today with just a picture attached. And the subject of the email said where we were three years ago. So three years ago today, I was in Ho Chi Minh City with E. Let's just call him E. E is a man that I have known 
for years. And I don't even want to say that when we lived in New York, we were friends. We were friendly. We had quite a few friends in common. So I would see him, you know, five or six times a year when somebody had like a birthday celebration and we'd meet out at a bar or something like that. So over the course of 10 years, you know, I'd run into him, you know, maybe in the summer we'd meet up for outside drinks more often with the groups of people, but I'd run into him periodically over the time. We both had a love of travel. So we would both talk about our travel experiences. You know, one thing that always stands out to me is when I was planning to go to Egypt in 2016, he told me where to stay because he had stayed in this pyramid view hotel uh, outside of the Giza pyramid. So I booked that hotel. So we had like that in common. So when he found out I was leaving New York and moving to Cambodia, he sends me this message. He's like, is all this true? I'm like, absolutely. He's like, I normally take three weeks off to travel. I'm coming to see you. So that was like crazy. And he did. He he was one of the only people that came from New York to visit me that year or so that I was away, um, which I can't blame anybody. It's a long flight. He spent a couple weeks traveling, met me in Cambodia and spent, I think, a week in Cambodia and we hung out a lot. And then he was moving on to Vietnam. And he was like, what are you doing next week? And, you know, life was pretty simple when I was living in Cambodia. And he's like, do you want to come to Ho Chi Minh City with me? It was Lunar New Year that year. It was Tet. He had this great room at this great hotel. And it was supposed to be this amazing, amazing event. And I couldn't think of a reason not to go with him to Ho Chi Minh City. I couldn't find a hotel room. Wasn't a big deal. We, we stayed in the same room, which again, like I said, I, I don't know if we were kind of, we were only kind of friendly. So that's kind of weird. Um, at first, it ended up being a great week together. But so I go to Ho Chi Minh City and we have this amazing, amazing time. We have the same ideas of what we want to see when we're in the city. We went to the museums. We walked around town. There was hardly any tourists other than people that were there to celebrate the Lunar New Year and Chinese New Year and Tet. So we stood out really badly. He is very tall. So as we're walking through the center of town, they have this huge walking mall in Ho Chi Minh City. And we're walking through the center of town and I could never lose him because he literally was head and shoulders above everybody else in the crowd. We watched fireworks above the city on Lunar New Year. It was just this crazy unexpected week. And that's where I was on February 16th of 2018. Just a little walk down memory lane. Thank you for humoring me with that. Thank you for joining me for episode, what is this, episode five of season two of Carry On With Kelly. Next week, we will talk about my journey to Vientiane, which is the capital of Lulalao. So I left Luan Prabang and went solo to Vientiane. We'll talk a little bit about the ramp up of COVID, what I did in Vientiane and where I went on from there. Thank you for joining me and have a good night. Mm -hmm.